So I really thank the Lord for this wonderful time he has given me to to be here in uh Georgia in the southern part of Georgia and uh you know to see you all and to know you all though I have never seen you in my life you know but I believe that we all have the same spirit and through the spirit we are all a family members amen we are the family yeah it's glad that God has given me the opportunity to see you before we get to heaven because of course we're going to meet there and so many people others we are going to meet there from different nations whom whom we have never seen but i thank the lord for this privilege that he has given me to see you prior to that amen, amen. praise the lord and it's such a joy to be here and to really share about myself the calling that god has put on our hearts and uh, i want to share this with you with the church as a whole because you know what this thing i'm going to share i've been sharing with in many places in india and abroad and uh especially to you know leaders and pastors uh and it has bring such a change in the way we see the great commission in the way we see the kingdom of god and uh, and such bringing such a change in the way we read the bibles and we understand the bibles you know and um I want to share about the yeah let's uh, go about the ministry and uh, as I turn on the slides I'll be sharing more about myself and I want to divide this time that has been given to me in uh, yeah two parts I want to share about the ministry that we are doing through the photos and the powerpoint and then I'm going to take you into a time of uh, scriptures where uh, you know I want to share what the Lord has put in my heart well this is a ministry that uh, God has given us is called Wow International. The word Wow means watchman on the walls. Okay, it's basically is watchman on the walls of Jerusalem. And uh because we are partnering from people from different nations for this vision, we named it Wow International and the vision is to simply to give life give life to the lost, both Jews and Gentiles. Okay, and that's my family, yeah? And that's me, uh, my wife and my eldest daughter Lisa who has turned 7 my second uh, uh child's son Jacob he has turned 3 and she is 3 months old and she is Alia Gold so my wife's name is Lavanya and my name is Andrew okay so God has given me a beautiful family and I'm really so proud and happy about them you know <laughs> okay and uh Well our vision the ministry that God has called us the vision is to reach both the Jews and Gentiles the Jews and non-Jews with the gospel of Jesus Christ okay and uh, the burden that God has put in my hearts was primarily for the Jews initially but as we got into the vision and the revelation and sharing people and going to the Jewish people to reach you know to bring Yeshua the Messiah to them and we we have seen that God was increasing our burden not only for them but for our people in india for the local people and in fact wherever we have been god just puts in my heart a love for people and i think like man if i don't tell them about jesus in a matter of time they're going to be in hell who knows they're going to be burning in hell you know maybe it's jews or gentiles people if they don't hear about jesus and if they don't receive jesus they're going to be burning in hell you believe that yeah So God has been giving us this passion for both the Jews and Gentiles and we are if you know India if we are on the western part of India you know towards the Arabian Sea 
And we have a ministry ba uh, based here, the mission center here that reaches out to the Jewish people as well as to the non-Jewish. And here, exactly here, is our other mission base where we, we have ministry to the tribals, children, and families, support pastors, poor pastors, train them up for ministry, train young people for ministry. We have something called International School of Ministry a curriculum that we use to train young people. And uh, we have a school just for the poorer kids where they can, you know, who cannot afford the private education can come and, you know, and they're born again in the campus, they're baptized and they're trained and they go out, become nurses, engineers, electricians, mechanicians, and uh, all kinds of other vocations. And uh, I, together with my dad, my family, my dad's, my dad and my mom and my brother's family together, you know, we have, we are reaching out to these people. And the best part I like is about reaching out to the people, the tribal people on the mountains. We go to the mountains, remote mountains, we walk and uh, we actually take a bus and then where we cannot take a bus, we walk and we are there days together, we carry our own food, our water. It's something like backpacking. Yeah, we have people who want to come there and we take backpacking teams there to share the gospel, to distribute medicines, you know, medical aid, uh, like glasses for you know, those who have a problem in the eyes. And a uh, lot of good things are happening in this place. Okay, I'm just sharing it with you in a nutshell. Okay, and uh, well, uh, I want to share about the ministry in, uh, in Goa, this West India. And uh, this is a strategic state where the Jewish people are concerned where the Israelis are concerned. I do understand from what uh, Pastor has shared with me about the trips to, mission trips to Israel, that you have a heart for Israel. And I really want to refresh your heart today and actually uh, bring a more scriptural understanding of why we love the Jewish people or why we should love the Jewish people or why we should stand with them. You know? And uh, it's so glad to see that uh, you know, you've been uh, twice to Israel, Pastor? twice to Israel on missions and have reached out uh, both, uh, I believe, to the Jews and Arabs. Yeah, Jews and Arabs. And uh, so this is a state where, you know, we have 50,000 Israelis coming to our state in India every year. And they, okay, and I'll I'm going to tell you where, what's, what's happening in the state. But to, for in uh, 1500s or after 1500s, for more than 200 years, Jewish people were persecuted and they were inquisitioned in the same state in India. Way back, I don't know when, thousands of years ago, that when the Jewish people scattered, they came to this western part of India. And most of them were based here. They lived there for hundreds of years until the Portuguese came there and um, you know, the Catholic Church initiated an inquisition. If you have heard about the Spanish inquisition, similar like Spanish inquisition, they did an inquisition in Goa where maybe hundreds of Jewish people were killed, burnt on stake, just because they would not refuse to become Catholics So you know, believe their faith. So this is a strategic state, I believe spiritually as well as naturally. And again now, we have thousands of Jewish people, Israelis coming there. And I really don't know why. They were there and they are coming now again. And I believe that God is putting a burden on the church in the state as well in the Church of India about this Jewish people to do something about these people because they're coming to us, you know, 
where not many people uh, from India visit Israel, but um, Israel is coming to us. So we have an opportunity to, to, to share Yeshua with them. Well, our, one of our ongoing, ongoing probs, uh, programs is um, 24-7 International House of Prayer. The God, God has put on our hearts when we asked him, Lord, actually we were living in the East India, and in 2009 we moved to the West India where this uh, part, uh, Goa is, and we asked God, what do you really want us to do there? We knew that Israelis are coming there and we're going to share the gospel with them. But really, what else do you want us to do? When we asked God, he said, build, a, build an altar of prayer. And since then, we have been praying for Israel and the nations, for local you know, people, for the salvation of America, this, for whatever's happened, elections. We prayed for the elections of America. We prayed for Israel, you know, Ukraine, Russia, Iraq, and the Gaza, and everywhere. In those days, Libya, we prayed for Libya, and Egypt, when there was like this, um, you know, conflict happening in all these nations. And so God has just put in our hearts to pray for all these nations, that these nations will come into their God-given redemptive plan and purpose. They'll step into that, you know, that America will step into, Israel will step into their purpose, India will step into their purpose. Okay, so... This is what's happening here in this base. And this first floor, I live with my family. The down floor is the, the office, the training center, the prayer center. And uh, we do everything there, basically everything in the small place that we have there. And yeah, and, uh, and from in 2000, uh, yeah, 2003, God called me and my wife to, to serve the Israelis. 2003, way back in 2003. And we, we, we did not know anything about the Jewish people whatsoever. You know, we were like kind of dummies in this revelation. <laughs> we didn't know anything. We talked to people and they said, they said something which we did, our spirits really did not agree. And we contacted many missions, international missions, and really we, you know, uh, we did not get any help until we were connected to YWAM, Youth of the Mission. And we happened to go to the School of Jewish Studies where God really opened our eyes you know, I'm going to share something that what he opened my eyes many years ago. And um, he, he led us to come into this revelation, you know, to, to reach out to the Jewish people and the Gentiles. But primarily where Jewish people are concerned also to make the churches aware of our responsibility towards them. Okay, and since then we have been, in, since 2010, we have been um, teaching pastors and leaders and we have trained up more than 500 pastors and leaders imparting them their heart for the Jewish nation for Israel and we see in, we see in India that a lot of people are you know giving us a feedback of how they were blessed from these conferences of how they, their churches are being blessed as they are praying for Israel standing with Israel and none of these people have seen any kind of Jewish people in any anywhere but the only thing they do is they pray the basic pray yeah so these are the, some of the photos of the conferences in many places we have done and we're continuing to do. Well, as I said, like we train young people into ministry. So these are some pictures. This is in Goa. The top picture in the down is on the, from East India. And we are in the mountains, in the, in the streams. You know, we take bath here for many days as long as we stay there for our outreach. We take the team for outreach to the mountains and we take the bath from here and you know, sometimes uh, we don't drink water here. <laughs> we don't drink water here. Okay, we carry our own water. 
Okay, but these are the guys, and we have gone to Nepal also for a mission trip. Yeah, Nepal. We, I took the young guys. Okay, and then uh, we have an outreach to the local people. These people are Hindus. Uh, where we go to the villages, and these are just a few pictures. We go to these villages, give goodies to the children, and just try to connect with the families and see if they have any pain in the bodies or any problem in the marriages, and just pray and release God's kingdom. I believe that as you, Pastor said, we have the kingdom in us. And when we pray, lay our hands, the kingdom, you know, everything that's in the kingdom passes to people who, needs, who need healing. Yeah. Uh, so that's what we do in these uh, villages. And then we have the healing and deliverance seminars that we do. We have a constant uh, inflow of uh, people with, uh, you know, broken hearts and broken marriages you know, physical sicknesses, cancer, who come with a lot of unanswered questions, a lot of unanswered questions, and we counsel them, and we lead them through a time of uh, deliverance, and we have seen people healed, and we have seen people, barren uh, women, uh, you know, having children, and broken marriages being healed, you know, just because people, you know, you know, just we counsel them, and people understood who God really is, you know, so we also do these uh, seminars where we train uh, you know, believers, pastors, leaders on uh, healing and deliverance. And we also have something uh, called the Live Jesus Intensive Youth Training for the youth people, for, for the youth, okay, for the boys and girls. So this was a, uh, this was a time of uh, training where we, you know, we had like eight days of training and outreaches, fun activities, and... Um, and we had like several teachers from different churches coming and teach on their, the ex, uh, on the subjects they're uh, they're more experts in, and uh, it was wonderful. And some people were born again there and took baptism there. Some young people. Okay, and uh, we also support these uh, five pastors in the the mountainous regions of Orissa in North India. These are very poor pastors and. Uh, They've already given their lives to Jesus in a way like because they were persecuted in the year 2008 and hundreds and thousands of families were displaced from their villages because the Hindu radicals were coming in thousand and two thousand in a group and destroying churches and raping, you know, you know, Christian, the nuns from Catholic churches and beating up pastors and their families and killing the, and the sons just before the eyes of the parents. And it happened in the year 2008. And so I feel that they have already given their lives to die for the sake of the gospel. You know, and uh, the only thing when I spoke to them, they said, like, we need somebody to stand with us. We've already died. We're already ready to die again if we have to. Persecution is coming, but we need somebody to stand with us. So we have, uh, I am a family, we have taken just, uh, you know, voluntarily to just uh, stand with them in the means of finances. And our vision is to support like 20 missionaries in this place. In fact, they're on our waiting list to support 20. We're already supporting five. Okay, so that's something that we are doing. Oops. Yeah. And then we have our prayer groups. Groups. We raise up groups that would uh, pray for, you know, Israel continuously. And for all the other nations, again, just like what happens in the house of prayer happens in the small prayer groups in different parts of India. And... Uh, we have started this daily distribution to the homeless, homeless people. You know, we give them food on a regular basis each time, two, two, two times a week. We feed uh, 80 people, 40 in a day, two times 80 people with food. And uh, all these people, are, they, don't, they don't have homes. They don't know, they don't, 
you know, don't have, don't have food. And they sleep on the footpaths and the shops and the stations and the bus stations, railways, under bridges, you know. And they're very, when they're very happy when we go and give them food, when we hug them and we lay just our hands on them and we pray for them. They're very happy because these are like, uh, these people, you know, not to, not, no disrespect towards them, but these people could be considered as dogs in our society. Just dogs. Like, as you don't care for a dog, you don't care for this man because he's on the street. But when we go towards them and help them and bless them and feed them, people, these people, they cry sometimes. Because there's somebody who is standing with them. Yeah, and these are displaced, uh, I mean, these are homeless family here. And they just stay outside this area. They just stay outside. They cook there. And they go anywhere. They think they'll get some money anywhere. And... Um, this lady has a wonderful, I mean, you know, her story is like somebody wants, some men wanted to take advantage over her, molest her, and uh, she stopped her, that man, from doing that, and he hacked her with a knife on, the, on her hand, and she got a big cut, and she just, that's what she was showing, and this is a drainage, a public drainage, a, like what do you call it? Sewage, and she sleeps there, and that, that was really something very... And these ladies and children are so uh, open to vulnerability. They're so vulnerable for, you know, for anything. So our vision is to start a shelter for them where they can be brought in. If they want to be protected, they can be there. And we can just teach the children informally and just give them something in their hands to go and maybe sell and earn money so that they're not taken advantage of. And in the, in the process... To just show them the love of Jesus so that they too can know the Jesus who loves them. Yeah. And we have monthly prayers in our town. And then uh, I and my wife, we are the coordinators for the day of prayer for the peace of Jerusalem. That happens all over the world. Millions of Christians praying. I and my wife, we coordinate. Uh, we have coordinated like three years now. And this year again, it's October 5th, I think, is the day of prayer for the peace of Jerusalem. We are looking forward. We also celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles and the primary uh, aim is to bring in the non-believers, the unbelievers. You know, especially we are mostly Catholics and the word feast attracts them a lot. And when they come and we share the gospel and we just bless them, you know, and we make friends with them. We make friends with them as a connecting point and continue to uh, follow them up. Yeah. And uh, this is the last one that I've said for the last one, the best one, which is really burning in our hearts now. Well, our vision this year is to start this Messianic Outreach Center on the beach of uh, one of the beaches that we, you know, we are, where, we, where the Israelis come, where the, the Europeans come, where the Indians come. And uh, our plan is to start up something like this, put up beach huts and a restaurant and uh, get the Israelis to come. Okay, so you might be asking, why the Israelis, why the Jewish people? I'm going to share with you that, okay? So, and uh, as I told, like 50,000 Israelis uh, come f after finishing their military, mandatory military service in uh, Israel. They're anywhere from 23, 24 to 27 of years of age. And they come and they, and they get hooked up to drugs, sex, and, you know, they get hooked up to new age, Hindu idol uh, idolatry and yoga and meditation, all these things. And in all of this, what they're doing is they're searching for something. They're seeking for something. You know, they're seeking 
for shalom. The word for shalom in Hindi is, in Indian language is shanti. Shanti, shalom. And everywhere we go, the common word that we uh, uh, interact with is shanti. If we can say shanti to him and they can say shanti to us, we have got an opening to speak into them. <laughs> because they're looking for shalom. And when we are talking to them about the Messiah, God is doing something in them. God is doing something in them. You know, this year, this, uh, this year in, the, in the beginning of this year, we had many Israelis come to our house. And we sang uh, Hebrew songs, Messianic songs, Shabbat songs, and we gave them a Shabbat meal. And they were like awestruck because we sang their songs. We are celebrating something that is theirs. And they're like, how come on this earth these people are doing what we are out to do? You know, the Bible says that we are, the salvation has come to the Gentiles to make Israel envious. And we just did that this in the beginning of this year. Made them envious of their Messiah, of the shalom that they need to have, that we have. Okay, so, so we are believing for an outreach center here. Okay, and uh, it's a huge, uh, big project for us, especially coming from India with the less budgets that we have for ministry. Our, our budget for this Messianic Outreach Center is $33,500 to set up the Messianic Outreach Center and to make a difference in the lives of the Jewish people. And I'll, I'll tell you why this is important. Okay? So what, uh, this is the beach that we, uh, you know, that our ministry base is. It's a beautiful beach. And this is what the Israelis do here. You might be questioning, why, why, why these people, Israel? Why, why do we reach out to them? What difference does it make to reach out to them or to any other people group? But I believe like when we were asking God, asking God, why did you call us for Israel? Because for several years, I did not share with my parents. I did not share with anybody in my family or anybody among my friends as to what my calling was. Every time I said, I have a big calling, a great calling, but I was ashamed to tell them of that my calling was for Israel because I did not know what to answer to them when they asked me a question about this, this people. Because I was like, as I said, I was a dummy. Like I was, didn't know anything about them. But as God showed me the importance of them, I thought, man, this is a revelation that could change the game. That will change the game as to how we reach the people. The Great Commission. This revelation is going to change the way the Great Commission is going to be accomplished. Okay, so let's end this one. So our email is wowjerusalem at gmail.com. Wow Jerusalem, it's very easy to remember. And our website is wowjerusalem.in. Okay, and I want to share this morning, uh, why do we need to care about these people, Israel? Why caring for these people is something that is important for the body of Christ? For the church, okay? And I believe with the understanding that I have that you have love for Israel, but I'm just refreshing you, so please be with an open heart. The first reason is God has not rejected these people. God has not rejected them. And I'll go fast because of my time. In Genesis 17, 7, we see that God is making a covenant with, the, with Abraham, saying that I'm making with you an everlasting covenant. A covenant that is everlasting, that is going to end, you know, that's not going to end basically, but it's going to end whenever God wants. 
But if God is making a covenant, we know the covenant is not for an end, but it is going to continue, you know, even in, the, uh, even in this age and the age to come. And then we see the same covenant he's making with Isaac. The same unconditional covenant or an eternal covenant, everlasting covenant, he's making with his son Jacob. So with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, God has made a covenant not only to be their God and not only to make them his people, but also to give them the physical land. To give them the physical land. The fact that you see today the war in Israel and all the wars Israel has fought and all the wars that Israel is going to fight. You know why it is? Land. It's about the land. You know, because, you know, when um, even uh, Cain killed Abel, Yes, Cain killed Abel. What did God say? The land is crying out. The land is crying out. Even when the Jewish people were sinning against God by going after different idols, what did he do? He scattered them away from the land because they were defiling the land by what they were doing. So for God, it's not only people that are important, but for God, the land is also important. If I'm in India, my land is important. Where I live, the land is important. You know, and another scripture in, uh, I think in Romans, it says that the earth is groaning for the sons of man to be revealed. The earth, the land is groaning. I'm not saying the land is a living being, but I don't know how Jesus would interpret that. But the earth is literally, literally groaning as to what is happening on it. When blood falls, the earth is groaning. And the blood cries out back to God. The earth cries out back to God, just like in the days of Cain and Abel. So the land, so what we see in Israel is not just about the people, you know, not just that uh, uh, the radical uh, Islamists hate the Jewish people, but they want the land. Because that is the land that God chose, and he chose to give it to a family, to take care of it. I know, you know, see, what, what I understood about the land of Israel is when God said that I'm giving, you'll be my people, I'll be your God, and I'll give this land to you and your descendants forever. I believe God was saying, this is my land. In fact, the Bible says in some of the prophecies that the Israel doesn't own the land. It was given to them to take care of it. Just like the land was given to Adam to take care of it. It, it belonged to God. The land belonged to God. That's the reason God tried to keep the land clean by sending this Jewish people out, by kicking the Jewish people out whenever they sinned. But even in the history, we see that there is so much happening in the land, in Jerusalem, in Israel, like no other nation in the history. So much of bloodshed, so much of sin. And even to this day, in Tel Aviv, you know, Tel Aviv has become the capital for gay, the gay parade. Can you imagine this? What God loves, Satan hates. What God wants, Satan also wants. So the moment God chose all of us here, you know who was against us, who came, he's running behind us? Satan. He doesn't like the Christians, especially the Christians who know their God. <laughs> because the one who knows their God shall do exploits. Hallelujah. So God has given this covenant to the people, made a covenant to the people to be their God and also to give that land. And God has not backed off from that covenant. 
he has not backed off because the word everlasting in hebrew would mean beyond the vanishing point if there is one and we know for a christian there is no vanishing point not even the physical death would be a, an end to anything we would just be translated to another phase whatever that is and we would live forever and ever but for the one who doesn't know jesus there is an end so beyond the vanishing point in god's eyes is like i don't see any vanishing point so there is not there is no vanishing point so beyond the vanishing point would be everlasting to everlasting but today many of us christians feel and understand and believe that god has rejected israel because of all they have done i question if if god has rejected this people because of all anything they have done that is against god i say what about us he has made a new covenant a better covenant with us what about us if he can revoke that covenant he can also revoke the covenant that he has made with us yeah if he can revoke that covenant he if he can say okay abraham my covenant with you is cancelled then i think he will do the same thing to us what i'm trying to say is what is the guarantee that he is going to fulfill the covenant that he has made with us because he's faithful to israel in the covenant that he has made he is faithful to you and to me even when we are not faithful hallelujah i mean that's one of his characters that is unchangeable he can never be unfaithful even if you and i are not faithful if he has a call on your life even if you're not faithful he is faithful to get to your point where you will fulfill your calling sometimes the journey can can be rough just like no jonah but yet he knows how to bring you to a place where he can fulfill his good plans and purposes for you and that's why he says i have good plans for you maybe the journey cannot will not always be as you expected but i have good plans for you yeah amen so the same thing let's see in a jeremiah the uh, jeremiah 31 35 says this is what the lord says he who appoints the sun to shine by day who decrees the moon and stars to shine by night who stirs up the sea so that its waves roar the lord almighty is his name listen to this only if these decrees what are those decrees the sun the moon the stars and the waves only if these decrees vanish from my sight declares the lord will the descendants of israel ever cease to be a nation before me what god is saying if these decrees that i have decreed the sun the moon the stars and the waves of the sea vanish from my sight then israel will stop becoming a nation before me have you ever seen anything vanishing yet <laughs> You see the sun this morning? Well, it was cloudy, but did we we saw the sun when we were coming. We see the sun in Goa, we see the beach, the seas. Okay, we see the moon, the stars. These are reminders to the body of Christ in the nations that God has not forgotten Israel. He's still on time, on purpose. His journey is still on with this nation of Israel. Okay, that's one something and something else. verse 31 says this is what the lord says only if the heavens heavens above can be measured and the foundations of the earth below be searched out will i reject all the descendants of israel because of 
all they have done declares the lord what have they done if you just see the history just see the book of judges how they have come back to god gone away from god come back to god gone away from god and all the time we see that israel has been really stubborn and stiff necked yes they have been stubborn stubborn and stiff necked and gone away from their god but god is saying despite all the things that they have done i have not rejected them that's what the scripture says what it says is what basically what he's saying is this is there any man on this earth who can measure the earth heavens is there any man on this earth who can measure the foundations of the earth bring him here to me if you can bring a man who can do what i'm saying he can do if you can bring such a man the next moment i'm going to reject israel now who is the one who has laid the heavens above and who is the one who put the foundations of the earth is god himself and there's no one who can measure this and if there's no one who can measure this god is saying then i have not rejected israel because there's none who can do that only god can do this amen hallelujah god is not a man that he should lie numbers 23:19 nor a son of man that he should repent has he said and he will not do or has he spoken will he not make it good so god has not rejected this nation the other thing i i believe you you all are doing this is pray for the peace of jerusalem the mandate that has been given to us you know the the ones who call upon the name of the lord the christians all around the world we should care for israel because this is a mandate that has been given to us to pray for the peace of jerusalem first this is a commandment second it carries a blessing the first the commandment is that we should pray for the peace of jerusalem the blessing is that we ourselves be at peace if we, when we pray for the peace of jerusalem you know the bible says that may those who love you be secure is talking about jerusalem may those who love you be secure why because this land belongs to god we have seen the importance this land belongs to god what i say is this this land jerusalem is god's god's mission base it's his ministry center it's his office heaven is his throne but he has a you know like like you know the haiti missionary group is going to go from this church soon to haiti you will have a base somewhere from where we will go and come back and go and come back for god though his place is heaven his base on this earth is jerusalem he came there first he died there he lived there he died there he went back to heaven from there and is going to come back there Amen hallelujah that's his mission base the law of the lord shall go forth out of zion isaiah 2 that's his mission base everything started there you know everything started there and people say that the garden of eden was somewhere there because now israel we see as a small strip but then israel was a big square when god gave to abraham saying that these are your boundaries there was no iraq there was no iran there was no jordan there was no, so many nations were not existing then 
River Tigris, River Euphrates, the land of Havilah, it's all in that square where God said to Abraham that this is the land I'm giving you. Okay, so I believe. And even in uh, when uh, uh, the Garden of Eden, it was explained about Garden of Eden that the river flows out to a place where there is gold. The gold there is good. Talks about the same square, I believe. I believe for sure. I mean, it doesn't make anything difference, but I just believe it. It's my opinion. So God is saying, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And David is in fact saying, inspired by the Holy Spirit to pray for this peace. Why? So that you shall be at rest. So that you shall be secure. And the word that is used, you know, it says they shall prosper that love thee. The word prosper or the word secure means in Hebrew, shalah, which means to be at rest, to prosper, to be quiet and to be at ease. How many of you want to be at ease? What is the opposite of ease? Disease. Plagues. Yeah? So God wants us to pray for the peace so that we, it's a rebounding effect. We pray for the peace and what comes out of is shalom for us. You know, shalom is not just peace, is not just peace, like everything is quiet. Peace is not the absence of war. Peace is not the absence of war. You know, peace is, of course, we know that the Prince of Peace, Jesus, how he explains peace is like no matter what's going around you, you're connected to God and God is connected to you and things are flowing in between. And you are at peace. You may be busy, you might be working, you might have problems in your house, you're, I mean, you might have a problem with children, but when you are connected to God, the channel is open just like in the dream of Jacob. The angels going up and down, a divine trans- as long as a divine transaction is going up and down, you have peace. And when we pray for the peace of Jerusalem, I believe this divine transaction over you is running well or is going to be open if it's not yet. Okay? And how do we pray for the peace of Jerusalem? You know, we need to, we need to pray intelligently and consistently. Intelligently. I mean, I have seen a church in Bhutan where, uh, you know, they also love Israel long back, many years ago. And they were, the pastor was praying, we pray for the peace of Jerusalem, we pray for the peace. Of, and he has repeated that word, phrase for a lot of times. <laughs> so I was, oh, yes, we, let's pray for the peace of Jerusalem, but, you know, this is not the way. Why? Because God has given beautiful promises for this nation, for this city, for this people, you know, so that we can use the scriptures to pray. So we know what really God intends. Even when you pray for uh, people here, how do you pray? You flow in the prophecy. What does God want to do in that person's life? You just don't pray what you want to pray. You just don't want to pray what that person wants to become or what the person wants to have. Because sometimes it might be soulish. But you want to be led by the Spirit. And this word of God has been given by the inspiration of the Spirit. So when you look into the scriptures where this nation, Jerusalem, uh, city, Jerusalem and the nation of Israel is concerned, you have tons of promises for them. I mean, most of the time the church sees only curses for Israel. And they all see blessings for themselves from the Old Testament. But it doesn't work like that. You know, <laughs> it doesn't work like that. Okay, so there are a lot of things that God has given for them which we can really see and learn. And use those scriptures to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. 
Why? What happens when we pray for the peace of Jerusalem? Your nation will be at peace. Your family will be at peace. Your land will be at peace. Again, peace doesn't mean the absence of war. Jesus being the prince of peace, when he brings peace, what happens? Lives are born again. Lives that do not know Jesus, lives whose spirits were not quickened will be quickened. And your community, your family, your state, more and more people start becoming believers. We'll start to know Jesus. And that's a divine connection God has put with this. Okay, blessings and curses to come to us depending on our treatments towards Israel. I mean, we all are blessed by the blessings that Jesus has given us. But there is a blessing of obedience. A young man who believes in Jesus, is he blessed or not? Blessed? He's blessed. What if that same young man he is dishonoring his parents? So blessing of obedience. There's something called blessing of obedience. If you don't obey, even if you're Christian, you'll be in trouble. So there's, a, there's this Genesis 12, which says, I'll bless those who bless you and I'll curse those who curse you. Blessing of obedience. If you bless, if we bless, the church blesses Israel, the church is going to be blessed back. You know, <clears throat> And what does this really mean to bless Israel? We know what a blessing means. But what does it mean to curse Israel? What does it really mean to curse? Does it mean, I mean many of us will have different definitions for curse. Depending on our experience and our upbringing. Our upbringing. But biblically, the word curse, when Jesus, uh, God said, I will curse those who curse you. Okay, we have in that same line. Two words of curse, curse and curse. One when we curse the Jewish people and the other is as a result God cursing us. The first word curse. When God says that those who curse you, the word is kalal which means to make slight, to belittle, to make light, to consider somebody as oh nothing. Sometimes we do that with the children right? Yeah, small infants. We just say oh they're children. Well, in America, I see the way you love the kids. Wow, wonderful. But in India, I mean, children can be like <laughs> nothing in the membership. Yeah, they can be, they'll be counted as nothing. So if we make slight of somebody, if we make of little account to somebody, if we make light, if we consider somebody insignificant or esteem them lightly, especially to the Jewish people, we curse them. That's what this word kalal means. Genesis 16.4. I will just give a parallel uh, scripture so that you will understand better. You know when uh, Sarah, uh, Hagar, became pregnant before Sarah, what happened? She despised her mistress. What did she, did she do to despise her? I don't think she, she troubled her physically. She bet her. No. Maybe just with an eyesight, she might have said like, you know, I'm pregnant, you are not. Abraham loves me. You, he doesn't love, love you. And Sarah felt despised. The word despised there is the word curse in Genesis 12.3. We don't have to do big things to the Jewish people. There are many Christians, uh, I mean, let's talk about the church. Let's forget about the world. The many Christians who talk about the Jewish people as filthy Jews or filthy rich Jews. 
which has a negative connotation, not a positive one. I know of Christians, leaders in India, who spoke about the Jewish people as bloody Jews. And when I was on a seminar in one of the places, I spoke the first night and I went to my hotel room and I was there and uh, I received an email. And this man is bombarding me like, you know, you know this, this, this. He's scolding me basically. Well, praise God. <laughs> the, sh the shanti was in me. The peace was in me. And well, the last thing what he said is like, a word that starts with B, star, 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 Jews. Like the word that is given to illegitimate children. So I shut the email off. I said, this is a spirit there, working there. An anti-Semitic spirit. I don't have to answer that spirit. Cut it down. <laughs> that helped me, yeah. So Christians, Christians are cursing Israel. And the words, the second words, when we curse the Jewish people, what happens to us? God curses us. That's what God says. I will curse them. Now God doesn't say if they're Christians or non-Christians, nothing. He says, I will curse them. So what is that word curse? It means arar, A-R-A-R, arar in Hebrew, which means to literally curse. You know what happened to the snake and the, the serpent in the Garden of Eden? It was cursed. What was, the, what was the magnitude of that curse? It is big. It is that same word that has been used in Genesis 12.3. When we make light of the Jewish people, God says, I will curse the, the fourth thing that why we need to, you know, reach out to these people, pray for these people is because they have been a tremendous blessing to the world. One thing, spiritual blessing is through them, Yeshua came to us. That's what Paul says in Romans chapter 9. Through them, Yeshua came to us in a, in a physical form. The blessings, that is the greatest, richest blessing that we have. But there are other blessings that we need as long as we live in this earth. You know, let me say, the vitamins. Vitamins were, you know, invented by the Jewish people. The laryngoscope was invented by the Jewish people. The vaccines, polio vaccines. In India, we have free polio vaccine. You know, we, you know what's a polio vaccine? Yeah. I'm glad that today my children, I don't have to fear that they will become crippled when they grow up because they have a free vaccine regularly. Okay, and that was invented by the Jewish people. And Simon Baruch was the first physician to identify and successfully complete an appendectomy. Has anybody gone through appendicitis? Hmm? The Jewish people who have created, first did that operation and did in such a way successfully so that anybody who has that need not die. Okay. And then. This mic here. That I'm using. Microphone. Yeah. Was invented by the Jewish people. The gramophone. The calculator. The synthetic rubber. The petroleum. You know. Okay. Computer. Software. Anybody here? Oracle. Larry Ellison. Is Jewish. Well I'm not saying that they're somebody good or anybody. But God has kept his word towards them. When he said in Genesis 12, 3, that all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. It was not about the people, it was about God who gave the promise. Yeah. Romans 9 says that. You know, it doesn't depend on you, on who you're going to become. It depends on God because he has called you. Hallelujah. When, Jake, when God says, Jacob, I loved Esau, I hated. So 
there's an argument is god unjust that he should love one and hate the other and god says i will have mercy on whom i have mercy and i will have compassion on whom i have on whom i'll have compassion and then he says it does therefore paul says it doesn't depend on a man on his desire or effort but it depends on god who calls him to the same with jewish people i mean they're not good i i don't mean they're good or beautiful or anything we are not lower than them or we are not greater than them they are not greater than us or lower than us but it's god that's what we don't see directly through the jewish people and love them but we love them we look up to god <laughs> it's like a you know it's like a ray that we look up to god and god gives us the love and we love through god we love them through god okay and so here we see that they have um, you know dell computers michael dell uh, jean pants the jean pants were invented basically by started by uh, levi strauss and adidas the shoes that we wear adidas the puma okay the vaccination needle the electric meter the incubator the lipsticks that women use the transistor you know the hepatitis b vaccine i got many 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 i'm just few okay i don't want to bore you with all this uh, you know, list of things but literally many things that that make us to live on this earth especially when we are sick that will that will make us to survive and live has been invented by the jewish people to whom god said that through you all peoples of the earth will be blessed hallelujah okay so they have been a tremendous blessing to us therefore i mean we got to thank god for them okay and uh, the bible says romans 1:16 for i am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of god of god that brings salvation to everyone who believes period full stop no it says salvation to everyone who believes first to the jew then to the gentile the gospel is to the jew first and that is why this israel israel is important to the church i'll tell you why this is the biblical pattern for world evangelism this is the biblical pattern for world evangelism for the great commission to be accomplished for this is god's priority that the gospel goes to the jew first and then to the gentile if this priority gets upset the going of the the going out of the gospel is also faces challenges you know it's been 60 years now oh sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry it's been 2000 years now and we have reached only 40% of the whole world with the gospel or rather 60% 60% and do you think that God, that that the church will take another 2000 years to reach the 40% of the people i think jesus is going to come back soon if it's 2000 years man i'm like again demotivated like yeah so somebody said he's coming and now he's saying i'll be late oh okay let's do our thing no jesus is coming soon and it would not take another 2000 years for us to you know and the bible says the gospel shall be preached to all nations before the end shall come but we have only reached 60% of the whole world the people groups the nations the language groups god has a strategy for the great commission and we see that strategy in the book of acts in acts 1346 paul and barnabas grew bold and said it was necessary that the word of god should be spoken to you first 
to the Jewish people in the synagogue. But since you reject it and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, behold, we turn now to the Gentiles. Who made it necessary that Paul and Barnabas should go to the Jewish people first? In fact, Paul was called for whom? For the Gentiles, not for the Jews. Then why did Paul think that it was necessary for him to go to the Jews first? I believe it's inspiration. Inspiration of the Holy Spirit, a divine, a divine priority. When we go with the gospel that it has to go to the Jew first and then it will spread among the Gentiles like a wildfire. And we know how many people were being saved then. I mean, Paul with his different partners in missions, I mean, he was able to win an entire city, Asia Minor. Everybody comes to know what Paul is doing. He turns the world upside down. And why are we not able to do now? And when Peter stood up, 3,000 people become born again. And when he stands again, 5,000 people born again. How many are coming when we stand? I mean, I'm not, you know, we see a lot of thousands of people coming to know Jesus. But with the percentage that we have that should be reached, what is it in comparison? It's very few what the people are coming to know Jesus. I believe this scripture says that the gospel is to the Jew first. Even in Acts 18.6, same thing. Acts 18.6, same thing. The key to world evangelism and, to, and the key to fulfilling the great commission is to reach the Jew first. Not that we stop reaching other people. No, not at all. Not we, that we stop other visions and other projects. No, not at all. But rather, bringing this nation of the Jewish people and the Jewish evangelism and the prayer for Jerusalem to a priority. To a priority. You see, what happens if you lose your priority in your family? You know what is my priority? God first. Then... Wife second, then my children third, then my ministry or, or the church, whatever I do. Then everything else comes in the last. I believe this is all of us with all of us, right? Okay, if it's not, try to set it. Okay, I'm not saying that I'm perfecting that because I always have to shift, shift, you know, because every time it goes upset. <laughs> and every time it goes upset, I have a problem with my wife or my children and I know it's upset. Okay. <laughs> So the priority, if the priority gets upset, you are in trouble. My friend, you are in trouble. You're in trouble from your wife or your husband. You're in trouble from your children. If not, you'll have trouble in the ministry that you're doing, in the work that you're doing. The priority has to be right. In the same way, in the fulfilling the Great Commission, there's a priority. The gospel to the Jew first, then to the Gentile. Okay, in the book of Acts, book of Acts is like a missionary story, like isn't it? When you read it, it's like, wow, wow, wow. But if we want that wow now, now the church has to understand its calling. We are called to be the watchmen on the walls of Jerusalem. You know, if you clearly read the scriptures, I have posted, I have posted watchmen on your walls, Jerusalem. They will never be silent day or night. You who call on the Lord. How many of us are here who call on the Lord? Amen. Hallelujah. We all call upon the name of the Lord. And you are in Isaiah 62, 6 and 7. Because not God knows the end from the beginning. Even before he created the world, you were in God's heart. 
He, he knew you and he knew the plans for you. He knew us together as a corporate body. Okay? So even hundreds of years or thousands of years before you were born, you were here. Isaiah 62, 6 and 7. Because as you who call on the na name of the Lord, give yourselves no rest. And give him no rest. Give God no rest. Till he establishes Jerusalem and makes her the praise of the earth. I mean for some people this is unthinkable. This is unthinkable to pray to God to establish a city which is not their own. <laughs> if it's my city I will have like you know I can have prayer groups, prayer rallies and everything. But what about another city that I have no idea about. And I have no unction whatever about, about that place. And that one of the place, this place is Jerusalem. And a lot of Christians cannot, cannot connect with this scripture. But for God, his perspective is different. That's what we need to be. We get on to his perspective. In this last days, I believe this is a game changer. This revelation is a game changer of standing with Israel. I do not support what Israel does every time in wars or anything else. Because I see in Jerusalem, I go to Tel Aviv, I say, God, what is this here? God, what is happening? Are these really your people? Are these really the children of Abraham? Wow. God. <laughs> <laughs> because such things are happening in Israel that you would never have imagined. And we still are called to stand with them. Why? Not because of them, but because who called you and them. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. It's because of God who has called you. It's because of God who called them. So you don't do this for them, but for him who has given his life for you. Okay? So we don't so support Israel like, you know, we love them unconditionally. Yes, we love them unconditionally. Like we would love any unbeliever. Like we love, like we would love a prostitute. Like we would love a drug addict. Like we would love a burglar. Why? It's not because of him, but because of God. Hallelujah. So God says that I have posted watchmen on the walls of Jerusalem. You who call on the Lord. God says, you guys, you are watchmen on the walls of Jerusalem. You are to pray to me. You shouldn't rest and you shouldn't give me rest till I make this city a praise on the earth. Why? Isaiah 60 says, arise and shine, or Isaiah 61, arise and shine for the light has come upon you. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you. See, deep darkness is over the face of the earth. But the light is shining on somebody. Who is that? Literally, it's on Israel. Literally. But again, because we are also spiritual seeds of Abraham, the light also shines on us. But literally, you know, in God's prophetic timeline, it is shining on Israel. The moment you said yes to Jesus, the light started shining on you. Isaiah 60, same. But on prophetic timeline, the light is shining on Israel. And when it shines on Israel, at the same time, the earth is going to go into deep darkness. Gross, that is what some versions say. Gross is like, wow, filthy, wow. Filthy darkness is going to fill up this earth. And if you see what's happening in America, if you see what's happening in India, in other nations, we see that we are living in the days of Noah. Days of Sodom and Gomorrah. Things are changing so rapidly. 
what we never imagined would happen is happening. And it's becoming the norm of life. It's becoming normal. It's becoming normal that when you see somebody doing something like being a homosexual, I mean, there's nothing that you feel. It's normal. Why? The world is going into deep darkness. The wickedness is increasing. But the good news is righteousness is also increasing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And you and me and we together are the carrier of the righteousness. Don't be discouraged when you see the gross darkness increasing. I tell you, you, we are going to feel the pinch and the crunch of wickedness outside. You will feel that. Just like Lot. The Bible says in 1 Peter that when there was wickedness all around him, his heart was troubled. His righteous heart was troubled. He was not at peace. I'm saying we will, when we see those things happening outside, we will feel the pinch and the crunch of what is happening. Just like when a recession comes, everybody feels that financial tightness. We will feel the spiritual tightness. And it will be a time when we have to prepare to be God's best, walking in holiness and in righteousness. Not compromising with the society or the world that is outside you, but rather, you know, connecting with the word and being what the word tells you to be. The word in your life is not an option. The word of God is not an option. It's not a peripheral. It's not an accessory. It is your life. The words that I speak you are life. That's what Jesus said. If you do not have the word of God, check with the temp the check with your what do you call the heartbeat, your spiritual heartbeat. Is the pressure gone down low? Is it beating inconsistently? My friends, we are in the last days. This is not to scare you. For me, the good news is Jesus is coming back. Hallelujah. For me, that's the good news. No matter what's happening, my house was burgled two times. The same place. The first time they tried to burgle, I mean, we came and we shouted and nothing happened. But the second time, you know, I was in the States last year. And when I was going back, I was in London Heathrow Airport. And I Skyped my wife and she says, the burglar came. And I was like, oh, what happened? He said, he came into my room. And my next question was, did he do anything to you? I said, no, praise God. He just stole some small part of gold, that only gold, that only <laughs> inheritance, small pack of gold. He stole it. I was not so much scared about the gold, but I thank God that he saved my wife and my children. Wickedness is going to increase around you. But praise God, when I have these things in my heart, you know, I, I say, Jesus, come back soon. <laughs> come back soon. Hallelujah. So that we can, we can be translated into his kingdom and no more have any diseases, no more have any problems, no more have any burglaries or nothing. <laughs> Hallelujah. You are completely safe. Hallelujah. That's the place where God wants us to be. Hallelujah. Paul cries out in Romans 10.1. Brothers, I end with this. Or maybe another two. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. 
and then he says in Romans 9 I for I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers those of my own race the people of Israel I'm I'm reading from the New Testament a lot of people say well you're talking about the old testament it doesn't relate to us anymore but it's in the new testament paul is saying my heart is really crying I, i'm not lying I, my heart is crying for the salvation of my people and i'm really ready to for, forfeit the salvation that i have in jesus if my people will come to know jesus It was a deep cry, the cry of the Holy Spirit. It was not just Paul's cry. I don't see it's a Paul's emotional, soulish cry. It's the cry of the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus also was, also was saying in um, Matthew 23, 37 through 39, he, said, he says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Same thing. You who kill the prophets and stone those who sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together. as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings but you were not willing i tried my best praise the lord hallelujah the good news is god has not forsaken this people jesus has not given up on the jewish people and if paul was crying under the inspiration of the holy spirit if jesus was crying under the inspiration of the holy spirit and let's see who was crying also Uh, Hosea in Hosea 11:8 through 9 he says God says through Hosea how can I give you up how can I hand you over Israel all my compassion is aroused I will not carry out my fierce anger nor will I turn and devastate you the heart of God through the prophet Hosea in Exodus 32:32 when Israel sinned Moses becomes the intercessor between the people of Israel and God himself and he says God if you do not forgive these people forget me if you do not forgive Israel for all for the sins just forget me blot me out from the book of life blot me out is the lord so god is asking the church to cry out for the salvation it means something to him but it means a lot it is going to mean a lot to the church i'm telling you in the spiritual and in the natural you know how 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 many of us are praying for world revival i'll tell you two scriptures that show us the world's revival is connected to the salvation of the jewish people revelation 11:12 but if there the jewish people's transgression means riches for the world and their loss means riches for the gentiles how much greater riches will their fullness bring when the jewish people fell away from jesus when they rejected jesus we the gentiles had salvation the riches now if they fell and we enjoyed the riches how much greater riches you and i are going to experience when they come back to the position Hallelujah. Greater riches. God is saying that when the Jewish people come back to know Jesus, there's going to be greater riches world revival. It's not going to be just riches, but it's going to be great riches. Hallelujah. That's what the church is praying about. That the, that's what the church is working about when when mission teams are going to many nations. 
That's what we are looking for. That people of all nations, of all color, of all race, of all groups will come to know Jesus as the Lord. That's going to happen in big numbers when the Jewish people come back to know Jesus. You know Reinhard Bonke? God said to Reinhard Bonke, Reinhard, pray for Israel. Then Reinhard said, okay God, I'll pray. And then he started uh, uh, preparing for his journey to Israel. And God said, Reinhard, I told you to pray for Israel, not go to Israel. Then Reinhard said, Brother Reinhard Bonke said, God, if you don't want me to pray for, uh, go for, to Israel, then why should I pray for Israel? And God said this, Reinhard, if you pray for Israel, I will give you Africa. Oh, yeah. Hallelujah. <laughs> How many have heard of David Herzog? His testimony is that when he went to France and he reached out to the few Jewish people, he had a big turnover of the French people coming to know Jesus. When, when the church stands with Israel, when you as a church stand with Israel, when the global church stands with Israel, we're going to see big miracles. Did you know that? Signs and wonders will be basic for us. People rising from the dead will be, uh, you rose one? Okay, next. Okay, yeah, good. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's keep going. It's going to be like that. And I am, my vision is to see that. My vision is to train people to see that. And I tell people, don't be surprised when people will call you and say, my child is dead, I want you to come and raise him back to life. Don't be surprised when people will bring coffins of dead people into the stage and say, rise them up. It's all connected with God's covenant people. Abrahamic covenant people, the Jewish people. Why do I say this? Romans 11, 15. For if their rejection, the Jewish people's rejection brought reconciliation to the world. You know, when they were rejected, when they rejected Jesus, the salvation came to you and to me. The, yes, the Jewish people were stubborn and stiff-necked, but God turned that stubborn and stiff-neckedness stiff for the good of the nation. Nations. Hallelujah. God says, if their rejection brought reconciliation to the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? Hallelujah. When Jewish people accept Jesus as the Messiah, when they come back to that one new man to the body of Christ, we will have life from the dead experience. The word life there means zoe. How many of you know what zoe means? Zoe is the life of God. It's not any other life, but it's the life of God. When Jewish people come back to know Jesus, you and I are going to experience inside of us the life from God and outside will flow the same life. And that life is, to, is going to bring life to the dead, to the cancer, to the lame, the crippled, the blind. Hallelujah. Life from the dead. Greater riches and life from the dead. This is what God wants, to God wants the church to experience. But... We will experience when we stand with them, when we pray with them, when we connect with them, when we go to Israel and we say, I stand with you. There were many people who said, Israel, we're going to stand with you. Feast of Tabernacles came and they were in the streets of Jerusalem and Tel Aviv and they were taking the flags and singing Jewish songs and saying, Israel, we love you, love you. After a short moment, the war started and these people took the next flight and ran back to their homes. 
And they were thinking, these Jewish people, where were these people? Where are these people who said, we love you, we stand with you? It's not that love. It's not a soulish love that God wants us to love the Jewish people with. It's not an emotional love which, you know, connects itself with, you know, a lot of uh, outward peripherals. But it's an inward love that has to come out for the Jewish people. A lot of people are so fascinated by the Jewishness than the Jewish people. We call them fringe groups. So they are, they go off excess and they start wearing, a, you know, the kippah, a toilet when they pray. And, you know, they do like just like Jewish worship and like, no. Well, that's not, well, good. We have our own way of worship. Americans have their own way of worship. Indians have their own way of worship. But we all connect to God. That's most important. And it's again, same time, connecting to the Jewish people. Do you want Jesus to come back soon? How many of us wants to want Jesus to come back soon? I end with this. Second coming and end. <laughs> when Jesus comes, it's the end, right? So this, with, this, my, with this point of mine, is the end. When Jesus, the second coming of Jesus, again, is connected to the Jewish people. Matthew 23, 39. For I tell you, Jerusalem... You will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Baruch haba Bashem Adonai. Blessed is he. When the Jewish people rise up, even now they're rising up, many, hundreds and thousands. 20,000 so much or so believers in Israel now. 20,000 believers. More than 150 congregations in Israel who are worshipping Yeshua. And every Saturday and every time they meet, they're saying, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus said, when you invite me back, when you welcome me back, when you say these words, when these words come out of your heart, I'm there. Hallelujah. You know, Jesus said, uh, God said, I am that I am. You know, what does, it, what, what does I am mean? In Hebrew, it means I will be there. I'm the God who will be there when you go there. <laughs> So when you step out in faith to do something God has called you, that is the time God will be with you there, not before. A lot of people, pastors say in India, if only I have a motorbike, I can go to all these villages and share the gospel. We say, you first go there and the motorbike will come behind you. I will be there. I'm the God who will be there. That's what he said to Moses. When you go there, I am there. I will meet you there, dear Pharaoh. When you negotiate with him, I am there. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. The second coming of Jesus connected with the salvation of the Jewish people. When the Jewish people come back to know Jesus, when they welcome Jesus corporately, you know that Jesus is coming back. I think the I think I don't know what number Jesus is looking for. I don't know what is Jesus saying. Okay, only 100 people if you say I can come back. I don't know which number, but whatever, whoever the last person is, he says, I can say he will not, take, he will not delay another fraction of a second because he's already ready. He's already ready and he's just waiting in patience that all would hear the gospel. Otherwise, it would be unjust on his part. So the second coming of Jesus is connected to Israel, Psalm 102, 16, it says, God will rebuild Zion and he will appear in his glory. 
he will rebuild zion and appear in his glory we are in the last days and god wants us as a body of christ church to connect with this jewish nation more than what we have been doing sometimes sometimes we can be little afraid of other churches think that what they will think you know because this happens in our state now a lot of people pastors they are very happy to pray but then when it comes to the church standing with israel that little why because they are afraid of what would other churches tell them but friends we are in the last days what you do today of being obedient to god's word is going to make a difference in eternity not only then but it's going to make a difference even now not only for the whole church but for every individual present here that's the reason what we do in goa is so important that's the reason the messianic outreach center that we are building there is so important jewish people will know jesus praise the lord so let's just thank the lord for this father we just want to thank you abba for your son yeshua lord lord you said the holy my holy spirit will come and will reveal you all things the father will send the holy spirit who will teach you all things father in this last days you are restoring you're restoring revelation to the church god you're bringing so many revelations to the church through which we are being built up day by day into the image of jesus christ and this revelation <clears throat> of your heart for israel i believe god is going to bring in the end lord jesus is going to usher in the your second coming lord jesus lord i pray that everybody who has been sit- sitting here and listening patiently that you will instill in us a divine passion and a heart for israel lord jesus and i believe father god when you impart this heart to us that your heart for us for every other nation will increase god that our callings will enhance our giftings will enhance the vision that we have will enhance god and everything the resource that you've given to the, this church will enhance lord lord i just want to thank you for this wonderful time for this wonderful church god i give you all the glory for this time in yeshua's name i pray lord amen amen hallelujah i thank pastor keith and pastor jane you know and uh, sister delin who has really you know got us in touch for really having me here and i'm so glad so glad to be here i already feel like a family here so there's so much freedom here <laughs> hallelujah praise the lord thank you jesus those claps are for jesus thank you father god <laughs> hallelujah thank you pastor